Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leo Vigild to Felipe VI. And this week we are doing Resaswith. Resaswith. Oh, there's no way I'm going to spell this one correctly. Well, you spelled uh, Chiswith pretty closely. so I did. That's true. All right. I have it written down here as R-E-S-E-U. I-N-T-H. Well, you did get the U-I correct, but it is okay. R-E-C-C-E-S-U-I-N-T-H. So C wow. and then S. Oh, wow. That, okay. Yeah, just, just casting at me on this. Now they're just f***ing with me. I, I think they are. <laughs> Just okay. to make it hard for you. All right. We have a couple sources for this week's episode. Uh, as you know, we are always going to have a Council of Toledo. So this one always. is the This is the eighth Council eighth. of Toledo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was actually held in the year 653 when Resaswinth was co-king with his father, Chindaswinth. Oh, but right. This okay. is not long after or not long before Chindaswinth dies. So Finally. It's, it's really Resaswinth's council. Okay. Um, this okay. council is notable for being the first one in which secular officials could vote. Ooh. Now they've been uh, attending these councils for a while, but they couldn't sure. participate. Right. Presumably poking the backs of clergy to tell them their own opinions, uh, but unable to, to volunteer themselves. All right. Okay. Yes. So this is the first time that they got to vote on matters. Okay. All right. We also have the ninth and 10 councils of Toledo, which were held during mm-hmm. Resaswinth's reign, but these councils deal almost exclusively with church matters. So they're not. Right. Right. I, I was going to say, I mean, presumably these are still ostensibly all about, I mean, not all about, but primarily about church matters. Ostensibly, um, yes. Right. And I, I did mean, mention at the beginning we weren't going to cover every single council of Toledo because a lot right. of them just aren't interesting. <laughs> right. To be quite As honest. In, can the alb be of a certain length? Can there be a fringe? Yes. Uh, what contents go into the censor? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That kind I, of I, stuff. I, they can be tedious. Yes. Um, now I received other... a parochial education, so trust me, I know yes, from religious so you know, boredom. You know all about yeah. it. Yes. So the other source I'd like to introduce today is the Chronicle of 754. Mm, okay. Now, as the Seems name- like a very focused chronicle. <laughs> well, as the name might indicate it, it was completed over 100 years after where we are currently in the history of Spain, right? Okay, so the title refers to the time at which it was written and not the subject matter. No, it does not. Okay. It stretches all the way back actually to Sisiput, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. We, but, we do go uh, back a ways then. All right. But of course, it's not an eyewitness. Um, no. No. For any of this kind of stuff. And, and, and where is it composed? So it was written after the conquest of Spain, mm-hmm. and it was written in Latin. So oh, it's sometimes okay. called the Mozarabic Chronicle. Now, this right. word is spelled M-O-Z-A-R-A-B-I-C. Mm-hmm. And Mozarabic or Mozarabe in Spanish mm-hmm. refers to Christians who remained living in areas controlled by the Muslims rather uh, than fleeing to the north of the peninsula. Hmm. All right. The word comes from the Arabic word mustahrib, which means mm-hmm. Arab-like or op- adopting the ways of the Arabs. Oh, so it wasn't a compliment. Uh, no, it wasn't. It, it's kind of a neutral word at this point. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's it's just used to describe these people because although most of these people remained Christian, some of mm-hmm. them did convert, but their right. language and cultural practices and religious rites became Arabized. So, for mm. example, we have the Mozarabic liturgy that was used in Christian churches under Muslim rule, and mm. it's distinct from the one that they used in the north. Okay. Mozarabic also refers to the language of these people because it too will differ from the language that was spoken in Mm. the North. At this point, we don't really have Spanish, like as a Spanish language. Right. You know, I was actually, actually, that was a question that I was going to ask uh, at the start of today. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if I can, if I can sort of have a a momentary digression, go right ahead. What What language is being spoken by these people? Are they still you know, sort of Latinit or, or are they, what are, what are they speaking? They are Latinit. The language okay. is called romance or romance, right? Okay. And it is a, a development from vulgar Latin, right? So mm-hmm. vulgar Latin was the spoken language of the Roman empire, right? right. And it right. has several 
phases too. There's, you know, early, when we say vulgar Latin though, we're typically speaking of the languages that were spoken across Europe after Mm -hmm. the fall of the Roman empire. Right. Right. So yeah, they're not really speaking Spanish as it were. Mm -hmm. And none of this vulgar Latin romance is really being written down quite yet. Mm. So Mozarabic as a language is really interesting because it's one of the few languages that, or Latinate languages, Latin descended Mm -hmm. languages that starts to be written down and it is written down in the South of Spain where Mm. the Muslim, um, you know, everybody else is writing in Latin, in classical Latin. Right. right. Yeah. The the language is quite interesting, and I actually want to get into it in another episode, but oh, it good. doesn't have a standard way of writing. So you mm-hmm. can write Mozarabic in Latin letters or in Arabic script. Oh, yeah. Well, you just use I was going to say that's pretty free and easy. Yeah. So it's just the sounds you just write down. Okay. What the sounds are. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. how we know a little bit about Mozarabic, how it was pronounced and, and um, how it was used. Not much of it survives. As I said, Mm -hmm. we have the liturgy and we also have some, some poems and Mm -hmm. songs, but yeah. So the Chronicle, (laughs) getting back to the Chronicle of 754, it is written in Latin. It is not written Mm -hmm. in Mozarabic, but it was probably written by a Mozarabic, probably a member of the Catholic church in Cordoba. Mm -hmm may have even been somebody who served in the Muslim governor's court because Mm. whoever wrote this not only Mm. knows a lot about ecclesiastical matters, they also know a lot about the political situation of the day in the 750s. Mm. And it's also notable because each ruler that this chronicle covers is dealt with as an individual. So a lot of chronicles are like, you know, here's King so-and-so. They're so great. Here's King so-and-so. And here's all right. these Muslim rulers. They're all equally right. bad in the exact same way. Ah, right? okay. All right. You in know? other words, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Leova Guild or, you know, Leova II or Tolga. If you're white and you're on the throne for a certain amount of time, you're important. You are important and good. And if you're one of the Muslim governors, right. then you're bad and evil. Exactly. The Chronicle okay. doesn't sure. do any of that. Each uh-huh. ruler is evaluated as an individual some of them are good and some of them are bad and it doesn't matter whether they're a christian goth or a muslim governor surprisingly enlightened yes it's quite nice because you kind of actually get some real information rather than Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hyperbole you know what i mean right right however the information that we have in this chronicle about the gothic kings as i said it's in no way eyewitness This is stuff that was cribbed from other writings or stories that Mm -hmm. have come down. So you may have to take whatever this chronicle says about the Gothic Kings with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. So those are our sources for today. All right. All right. Let's talk about the biography of Resiswinth. All right. Now, Resiswinth is born a long time before his father, Chindiswinth, becomes king. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. This is a very long-lived line of people. It is. Um, Yeah. So we don't know Resiswith's birth date for certain. He is named Mm -hmm. after both of his parents. Remember, his mother's named Resiburga and his father's Chindiswith. So Mm -hmm. he's Resiswith. Which, by the way, it's... it's, It's a celebrity couple naming it is. It's really just awful. That's what they did. Okay. Uh, Now, last week I gave you one of the few descriptions of Resiswinth's character that we have, which is that Mm -hmm. he was loose living but generous. Right. Right. I think I said immediately. I liked him better than his father. (laughs) Unfortunately, the Chronicle of 754 just tosses off this description without elaborating, which is a real bummer. How generous are we talking about? How loose are we talking about? I was hoping uh, for some good loose living stories for Nome Digas, but exactly, we, we don't very have much any, so. Which is oh, a shame. Nuts. That's very disappointing. Okay. So Resiswinth is appointed co-king by his father in the year 649 because his father mm-hmm. is approximately a billion years old a and bi- could right, no longer exactly. be a war leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also because that whole you have to be elected uh, to be king has always been, shall we say, more of a suggestion. I mean, yes, we said it in a, you know, council, but yeah, come on. We're actually going to see in this episode another issue of, well, we said it at a council, but... So this is very common to the Spanish experience at this time. The history of hypocrisy is the history of, well, the history of history is the history of hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Very true. (laughs) 
So the Chronicle of 754 tells us that when Resiswinth is crowned, there's a solar eclipse, which terrifies everyone and foreshadows mm-hmm. an attack by the Basques. Oh, well, okay. Now, to be fair, a stiff breeze foreshadows an attack by the Basques. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm, not... <laughs> I'm not really sure why we suddenly got all spooky about eclipses. You know, yeah. Isidore and Sisyphus knew all about them and wrote scientific poetry about them. Right. I was so, going to say, Guy on a Yacht uh, wrote yeah. poetry about... I mean, come on. Anyway, since the Chronicle is written 100 years later, it means that the foreshadowing is correct. The Basques... Oh! All right. In the year 652. All right. So this attack is actually an example of some chickens coming home to roost. The attack is led by one of those refugees that I mentioned before. You did, yes. Yeah, these are noble Goths who have left Mm -hmm. Spain, and they're now setting up in a foreign country and preparing to attack Spain with foreign Mm -hmm. help. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And we've had right. several councils of Toledo try to deal with this problem by enacting punishments of various harshness against these people. Right. And then Leo the Guild decided, is out there somewhere saying you can just beat them to death with sticks. I mean, really, just skip to the bottom of the list. Well, Chindeswinth decided to take the gloves off completely and change the penalties to death. Oh, OK. Well, talk if about you can po- conspire death. with foreign enemies, death. OK. This apparently gonna, this is the abbreviated edition. All yes. Right. Well, this apparently does still does not solve the problem because towards mm-hmm. the end of Chindeswinth's life, and not long after Resiswinth takes the throne, a refugee mm-hmm. named Freya rises up against the kings with Basque mm-hmm. help. All right. Yeah. Now we don't know if Freya has left Spain to escape Chindeswinth and all the murdering. Mm. Or if Although maybe, that would be a fair enough motivation. I think that's probably most likely, but it's possible mm. he went into exile under an earlier king like Chintila and only right. has just now garnered enough support. Right. Right. You know, or it's Rumspringa, whatever. You know. Um, okay. But he and his Basque army storm down from the mountains and they lay waste to northern Spain and they eventually mm. seize the city of Zaragoza. Oh. Yep. All right. Fortunately, Resiswinth arrives and breaks the siege, and Freya's rebellion is defeated and scattered. Mm, okay. Successful there. Gotcha. Normally, this kind of thing would occasion a Council of Toledo, if anything does. Well, of course. And sure enough, the Eighth Council of Toledo began oh, in December of right. 653. Okay. Is this just an occasion for him to get a bunch of people together to tell him what a wonderful job he's doing? Um. You are going to answer that question after we go through the three things that uh, Resiswith wants to achieve with this council. Oh, goody. It's a choose your own adventure. All right, let's do this. (laughs) Now, the first thing, uh, despite just putting down a rebellion from one of the refugees that was punishable by death, Resiswith does not have punishment on his mind. Instead, he wants to lessen the penalties for traitors to allow for possible pardons. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is a very strange time to be having those thoughts. It is, Um, but it seems like either the rebellion was so large or some people that Resiswinth really needed were involved, but he doesn't want to kill every single one of Freya's followers. Is this one of those, you know, action hero meets the villain and has a we are not so different you and I moment? I mean, it's possible. OK, all right. I mean, Freya himself was definitely put to death, but of course, all, there's just a lot of people. And, you know, he also doesn't think it's necessary to kill people who committed treason all the way back in Chintila's time. You know, fair, fair. But it is I would like to point out this may be the only time in history that a king has advocated for the lessening of the penalty for treason. I mean, has that ever happened before? Well, this actually causes a huge debate at the Eighth Council because Chindeswinth had made them swear an oath to God that they would never, ever, ever pardon traitors. Right. So they don't want to go back on their oath, but they can't very well say no to the king. Probably because, you know, at this point, they're still not sure that Chindeswinth is really dead. Um, (laughs) Fair. But finally, quote, with loud sighs and showers of tears, they pull back. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they say about it. I want to see that meeting. (laughs) They pull back the death penalty for traitors, allowing the king to impose a lesser punishment if he chooses. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right the eyes have it all right chief pass out the kleenex this is <laughs> having completed that task russa swinth turns to the second order of business okay. his law code ah all right now i mentioned in the last episode that chinda swinth had written down 99 laws that did right. not got appear got in the started but right. yep. mm-hmm. he also updated one ancient law from leovigild's code Mm-hmm. But the work is still unfinished. Right. So right. Ressiswinth picks it up from there. Okay, good. He, he wrote down 87 more new laws that did not good appear in Leovigild's code. And then he revised and updated 324 laws from Leovigild. Wow. Yeah, so uh, he, he did the deep dive into the old law code and revised and updated everything. It feels to me like he's trying to invent lawyers. Yeah. Um, because once the laws get in, get sort of creep towards the quadruple digits, you need lawyers. You just, you, you, yeah. It's a big task. That's a lot. It's a lot. So yeah. the, the laws from the Ovigild, just like Chindaswinth had done, they're preceded by the word antique. Right. They're old. Right. And he also includes three laws that were written by Recared and two mm-hmm. laws that were written by Sisibut. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, he's just putting everything together. Mm-hmm. Rassiswinth finishes this draft of the Liber Judicorum, which okay. just means Book of Laws. Yes, Udic- yes exactly. Mm-hmm. He finishes it somewhere between 649 and 651, and he sends it off to the Bishop of Saragossa, Braulio, to have a look over. Okay. Now, Braulio is not best pleased by this. Oh, no. He wrote in a letter to Rassiswinth that, there is scarcely a sentence in the draft that does not need correction. And Braulio, oh my God, he's proofreading. And Braulio <laughs> despairs of ever completing the work. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so he's also invented academia. Ressiswinth um, apparently was unable to take a hint, and he writes a letter back encouraging Braulio to persevere. <laughs> mm, mm, mm-hmm. Braulio's nice. here writing like, I just, this is... There's so much editing I have to do. It's too much. And Ressa right, is like, you right. can do it. You can do it. Yeah. I have every faith in you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Braulio finally does complete it. And he, he okay. writes in his last letter on the subject that he has, quote, divided the text of the codex into titles as you ordered. Uh-huh. So basically, oh, Ressa just dumped all of the editing. On right. The exactly. Braulio. No. He, he, right. This is, this is the equivalent of, you know, your lab partner. Uh, you know, saying, here, you do all the research and you do all of the writing and I will get the clear plastic binder. Um, I just think and, it's funny that apparently right. every single sentence needed editing. Like, what right. kind of draft is this? No, I, 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 I was going to say, well, as somebody who teaches composition, let me just say, I feel for this man. I know exactly... <laughs> what he is feeling yes um okay so this has all been done and the final step for the law code happens now in 653 at the eighth council of toledo okay resiswinth gives a speech he brings the other bishops up to date on the progress of the drafts Mm -hmm. and he asks them to look over the codex one final time to check Mm -hmm. for any remaining errors and to advise him if anything has been left out or needs revising Right. Right. This is the bishops do, and they approve mm-hmm. the Liber Judicorum, which from this point right. on will be the governing body of law for all inhabitants of Spain. All well, right. Yes. Both Goths and Hispano Romans. Okay. Off to the printers with it. Yes. The text is published in 654, and Ressuswin thinks it will be so popular that he makes it illegal to charge more than six solidi per copy. Oh. He thinks everybody's right. going to be out buying this thing. Oh, yes. This is going to be the, hot, you know, never mind the new Twilight series. Let us go ahead and publish as many copies of this as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Then Ressuswith makes an error, a no. fatal error. Oh. This is an error you never want to make in a meeting. Oh, no. He must have been feeling pretty good after getting both of his proposals accepted by everyone else. So uh-huh. he turns to the bishops and he says, well, okay. Is there anything else you want to recommend we revise while we're all here? No, no. When you're five minutes away from the end of class, you yeah. don't ask your students, are there any questions? That's exactly what he did. Oh, you twit. Okay. The very next day, the bishops come back with a multi-page document full of suggestions. Oh, no. 
the fact that they got it together so quickly kind of right. illustrates mm-hmm. something. Okay. So here's what they write. They write that some previous kings have been really extortionate in their practices and that certain kings Mm -hmm. have taken the kingdom's resources for their own profit Mm -hmm. and that there are former rulers that have taken property (laughs) that was confiscated from the condemned and given it to their children. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to the last page, they give up all pretense and they say, we want Chindiswin's ill-gotten gains to be distributed amongst the nobles and the clergy clergy because he was awful and we're still mad at him. Right. Not naming names, but if we were naming names, the names that we would be naming would sound a lot like your name. Yes. Yeah. Some people are doing this and actually we still hate your father. Yes. Yeah. So they give this to Resiswin. Of course they do. Resiswin says he has to think about this. Oh, no. And he takes a few days Uh and then he comes back to the council with the text of a new law. Oh, no. Now, this law is masterful because it appears to agree with the proposal of the bishops on every single count. Uh Uh-huh. The force of the law is that it does the exact opposite of what the bishops and the nobles wanted. Resiswinth writes that he condemns the, quote, immoderate greed of the kings in previous times. Mm -hmm. And he says that the solution of this is to declare all possessions from the time of Swintila on that had been amassed by previous kings to be crown property, not the property Mm -hmm. of those individual kings. Mm -hmm. However, if the previous kings had already specifically willed said property to their heirs, it's too late to change that. Right. So basically, if, if this is an improv game, he yes anded them, he which is did. yes and no take backs. So the bishops <laughs> and nobles don't get the redistribution of wealth that they were hoping for by writing not. this down. And you'd better bet that Ressa Swinth goes home and writes a very detailed and explicit will. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well. Better make sure that the door to the room of knives and poisons is greased. Let's uh, let's make sure that that's that's available because the bishops right. and nobles are so disappointed that in the minutes of the Eighth Council of Toledo, they include not only the text of the king's law, which they of course passed, because what right. else are they going to do? Yeah, I was going to say that's it. They have no a suggestion. Right. They also included the original text of the document they wrote, so the oh, future wow. generations could see oh. how unjust it was. Yeah. Yeah. And also, for the record, this is what we is what actually we wanted. wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got. Does that see. suck? Uh-huh. Yep. That's, As you that's might really imagine, mm-hmm. relations between the church and Resiswinth are cool after that. Really? Yeah, they're not great. <laughs> Goes into mass on Sunday and finds that his seat has been moved to the far back. The ninth and the tenth councils of Toledo are held in 655 and 656, respectively. Neither of them are very well attended. And no, then there and isn't the- another council of Toledo for 20 years. Ooh, awkward. Okay. And actually, according to the next council, which is the 11th council of Toledo, the mm-hmm. bishops had not been allowed to assemble in the previous 20 years. Oh, nice. So this is presumably basically- to avoid any more suggestions that the king should be giving up his property. Right, right. And <laughs> and it's it it implies that the ninth and the tenth were just an exquisite banquet of presumably, you know, passive aggressive. Well, we'll just pass a law here. Do you want to, you know, tell us what we'll ultimately be voting for? They did restrain themselves strictly to church. Oh, uh, activities of those two. So, yeah, they didn't even try to offer any more suggestions. They knew yes, where that was going to go. We would like to declare this doctrine unless somebody has a suggestion. So even though Resiswinth doesn't seem to be as murdery as his father, there's obviously hard to be. Well, it's pretty hard, but there's obviously something about him that seems to keep people in line because after the eighth council, he rules for another 16 years over a peaceful and stable nation. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that's fine. I mean, I think the fact that his father had killed so many troublemakers. He did. Basically to me says, well, for 16 years, the generation below the one that he wiped out grew up. Yeah. I think that's what we're seeing here is, is a 20 year gap based on mass murder. 
Yes. Um, yes. So, all right. Yeah. So after those 16 years, as befits a king focused on the possession of ill-gotten gains. Oh, no. He dies a natural death at his oh, villa. damn it. Stop with the natural deaths. No, but he goes <sighs> to his villa. Oh, of course he did. And passes away in the lap oh, of luxury in the year 672. Everyone of the nobles and the clergy are just really, really. <sighs> yep. And where'd you get uh, that villa, huh? Is that just, I mean, yeah, property? exactly. It, it is, it is sort of like hearing about, you know, J. Paul Getty dying on a mega yacht or, mm-hmm. you know, Rockefeller dying in a castle or whatever. Just, yep, oh, really? Very yeah. much that. How'd you come up with that? So, all right. So that's the life of Resuswind. Well, fun to be him. I mean, he was having a great time. He had a great time, I think. Okay. Let's rate him. Okay. All right. Let us rate him. First category is conquistadores. How much did Mm. they conquer? Now, not much. No, no, not much. There's no new territory. Um, No new territory. He does um, put down that rebellion with the Basques. Right. And and it was a serious rebellion. It they was, took the yeah. city. He broke a siege. That's always very a, a you know, if we're if we're thinking about the movie, that's a very dramatic moment. It that's, is. A, that's a turning point. And um, I also want to make a, a political type point here. I know for mm-hmm. conquistadores, we focus on war, right. but giving the nobles voting power at the mm-hmm. Eighth Council of Toledo. It's mm-hmm. not just an interesting governmental development. It means that for the first time, Goths outnumber Hispano Romans when it comes mm. to deciding matters of state in this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the Goths have been Catholic for about 70 years now, but right. most bishops still come from the Hispano Roman population because they've been Catholic for hundreds of years. Right, right. So there are there are definitely more Gothic bishops than there were mm-hmm. before. But in all of the previous councils of Toledo, the majority of people deciding on the fate of the kingdom have been Hispano-Romans. Right. And and I mean, we might we might also add to that the idea that this by by adding the votes Mm -hmm. of uh, nobility, that's a real that that waters down the influence of the church that asserts the power of the nobility over the power of the church. So that's a big deal, too. So it's an interesting you know, if you think of the Goths being planted in Spain and taking right. over what Leovigild started with all of the mm-hmm. local tribes and the Hispano-Romans, this has right. really come to a culmination here with Resiswinth giving right. those nobility explicit voting power right. when it comes to even church matters. Right. This is this is sort of the the Normans over the I mean the the Anglo's replacing the Saxons, if yes. you will. Okay. All right. That, so that yeah, it's deal. it's That's not important. it's not as conquery as we may like, but there's right. some stuff there, I think. There's no I'll I'll yeah, exactly. I will I will I will go along with that. Uh Beat the Basques, took mm-hmm. retook a city. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. And I don't know. I'm thinking the four. Okay. For the whole. Yeah. I mean, given the given the as the other definition of conquistador that we might be uh, offering here, I will give them a four. Right. I'm going to give them a three because I'm okay. kind of in the same boat as you. So that is a right. seven for conquistadores. Right. Nicely done. All right. Our next category is no me digas. This is where we talk about what people would have gossiped about. If, uh, Loose living, but generous. I yeah. Mean, I wish we had more details about right. how loose living he was. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what, what it tells us is that while our ability to rate him on no me digas is very minimal, the people at the time probably would have given him a very high mark mm-hmm. uh, for no me digas. We just don't know what they were talking about. So apart from being loose living, the only other right. thing I have for no me digas is that in writing the new law code, the anti-Jewish laws do come along with the new law code. <sighs> yeah. Oh. And most of these laws now are really uh-huh. more focused on Jewish practices rather than belief or church attendance. Because if you'll remember, a previous king said that no non-Catholics could live in, in Spain at all. In Spain, right? yes. So right. theoretically, there shouldn't be any Jewish people. 
Correct. Coast however, to coast, we're, yes, Nicene. Uh-huh. Yes. However, there are a lot of people who were Jewish who converted, but still do things like light candles on Friday nights uh-huh, or uh-huh. refuse to eat pork. Right? I was going to say, or keep, who keep circumcised, kosher, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who circumcised their sons. Right. Right. So at this point, the anti Jewish laws are going to focus more on Jewish practices rather than <sighs> like a confession of faith. So okay. it's not great. I'm not going to like this. No. All right. So what are we saying for Nomadigas? He was loose living and he maintained <sighs> anti-Jewish laws. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, I'm giving him some, some, some points on spec. Yeah. And more anti-Semitism is always good for another couple of points, but it, it is. is, it's not great. I'm thinking again about a four. Yeah, I am also thinking again of three. All right. Yeah. So that is seven for No Me Digas. Mm, mm-hmm. Our next category is Orthodoxia, and this is where we talk about how religious they were. Now, mm. <laughs> Resiswith mm-hmm. is not terribly religious. He's not no. as bad as his father. His father was completely a religious. Right. Well, as, as we've established, once you've decided you're going to hell, there's really no incentive to be particularly religious. No, you better go all in. Yeah. So Resiswind is similar to his father, but he, I think personally, he, he mm-hmm. does have a belief. Okay. Uh, for example, the, here's two examples. He founded a church in the year 661, oh, San Juan de Baños. All right. So he's getting at least one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the right. arch of this church above the chancel has a carving in it that reads that the church was dedicated by, quote, King Resiswinth, lover of thy name. So, uh, okay. <sighs> it could be taken so literally as to be absolutely meaningless. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. And the other thing I have is you remember that treasure trove at Borrasar that I mentioned yes. in a couple episodes yes, yes, ago yes. with the votive mm-hmm. crown? Right. Resiswinth also has a votive crown in this. Oh, he does. Yeah. And we have a better All picture right. of it because it was not one of the ones that has been stolen. So we, ah, got a, we get a really good look at it. Okay, good. I'm glad. So I think he that. was personally religious and personally mm-hmm. orthodox, but relationships between him and the church were really yeah, bad. Yeah, no, really bad. We, yeah. we're, we're talking about somebody who cost the church, very deliberately cost the church a great deal of power and who responded to their their major request with what can only be called as a haha on you. Ta- I mean, you know, yeah. response. It's not. Uh, it, it's not a great record. I imagine that we really have to give him fairly low marks for this. For I think this we one. do. Built a church always gets you at least one point, mm-hmm. but I'm not inclined to go much higher than one because his career, at least as we've studied it here, is mostly defined by being anti-clerical. Yeah, um, it is. It really so, is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking of one and it's just for the church. And apparently he only built the church because the name Jesus really rang his chimes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, you know, again, one. <laughs> I'm going to give him a two, one for the church okay. and one for the crown. Okay. All right. But I can't right. give him any more than that. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's a three for orthodoxia. Mm. Our final category is El Reisto, where we look at mm-hmm. the stuff that kind of goes along with being king, physical culture, okay. any sort of laws, mm-hmm. things that he's left behind for history. All right. Mm-hmm. We don't have a statue. There once was mm. one. Oh, OK. We know that because we have the pedestal. Uh, <laughs> However, right. on top of that pedestal, it's got Felipe the Third on it. So I was going to say it, yeah. it seems mean to keep just the pedestal. Um, no, there's a statue right. on it, but it's not him. Mm. So, and we will look at the painting from okay. the Prado. Oh, good. Unfortunately, it's bad. Oh, okay, not a good painting. I don't know if it's just not in good condition. Well, it's oh. it's not in good condition, but even if it were, it's, it's that is not, not a good painting. It's very dark. Yes. It's very uh, drab, just in general. Like the it's clothes. very two-dimensional. Mm, um, yeah. It's it's the kind of painting you would see in the background in a bad animated movie. 
that takes place in a haunted castle. It's not. No, that's yeah, a, yeah, that's, yeah. I like his really, crown. His crown. His crown is nice. Style. Yes, right. His crown is nicely understated. His, uh, his facial hair is quite neat. Yes, yes. But um, he's just got. He's got like a like a cape robe right he's on. got the red he's got the red cape and he's um, standing on a tile floor and you can't right. really see much else right yes it's um, not good it's and and really what we have to draw attention to apart from the fact that his legs are absolutely absurd are those shoes are those socks uh yeah you know, it almost looks like he's wearing footy pajamas it does um his pose is so Man. mannequin level bland. It expresses he does look nothing. like a mannequin. It, it he expresses absolutely nothing with that pose. It's yeah. not noble. It's not graceful. It's not you know pious. Uh, no, there's there's no there there. Yeah, I, I know bad. nothing about this man as a result. When you compare that painting to the painting of his father, oh yeah, um, which is you know absolute nightmare fuel i mean that was uh, his father's yeah. painting was like disney villain exactly like. appropriate yeah basically you expect him to break into count fro uh you know claude frollo's song from yeah. hunchback yeah no this is this is this is bad not good very poor very well poor. another thing we have and you did see this last time we mm. have that codex with the yes. illumination from before oh okay right so we looked at chindeswins on the left <laughs> Now we got Ressuswin. He's in the middle. Once again, it's Attack of the Cat, people. The First fingers of all, are just... Well, let's talk about the fact that his hands are attached to his shoulders. Yeah. He has no arms. His hands are attached to his shoulders. He is making what looks like a a, a shrug. I was going to say, it looks like uh, he's shrugging. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's holding a codex, but he's also extending his... His finger. Index finger. What... I don't know what their I, I obsession mean, with fingers is. Who drew that finished and said, yes. Yeah, that's good. Right. No, no. Yeah, he he looks good. like an alien from a planet of cat people. Very, very displeased. So that's, that's Ressuswinth. And here is the coin, which actually is oh, kind of interesting. It is. Yeah. First of all, we've got a profile, got a which I view. like. Very definitely a face. It's not much more than a face right but it doesn't I'm not seem to attach to like whatever his headgear and his right. neck circles are yes but it's a really um, well-defined nose and mouth and you right. know it's quite good the the lettering is actually relatively sharp especially as you can see that the coin has had some serious wear and tear yeah on the um, edges. Overall, yeah, I'm I'm much more impressed with this coin than I have this been quite good for a lot of in the past. No, that's a good coin. It's like a throwback uh, to Leovigild's scary one when he was in yes, profile. It is, it yeah. is. But if you have to have a throwback to somebody, Leovigild's a good one to choose. And the last thing I have to show you is that votive crown. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is gold yes. work in the shape of a crown, but it's suspended on chains. So it's meant to be placed hung in front of an altar as an example of representative sacrifice or something like that. Right. And you mentioned in the last one that it kind of looks like a mobile for a a little. Yeah. For the Dauphin or or, for the, yeah. For the young prince of the Russian, you know, empire. Yes. Uh, Well, this is not going to change your mind at all because here it is. Oh, oh yeah. You can actually hear the baby Zarovich's first words of, you know, oppress the serfs. It's not nearly as impressive as the last one. You don't um, think so? I, the thing of it is, uh, the last one I think was a little bit more intimidating. Mm, um, it, it had I, more things on it, I think. Right. The letters here I spell mean, out "resistance," and it might oh, okay. say like, "All right." I think it says it twice. So it says okay. "resistance," and then around on the other side, it also says "resistance." <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that seems a little you know, excessively self-congratulatory. Yes. The, the the jewels, I assume, are real. Like, I assume those yes. are actual sapphires. Right, um, they're not like bits of glass. Although I think the hanging ones may be glass. Must be, yeah, I think so. The mm-hmm. ones in the side of the crown, I think, yes, are sapphires. Right. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's one of those things that I'm sure it look, I'm sure that it is hellaciously valuable, mm-hmm. but it looks sort of oddly cheap. It looks sort of party store-ish. Interesting. Maybe it's just, I'm not that impressed. I'll right. post this, this uh, picture on Facebook and Twitter and we'll see what, yes. what people say. Perhaps Apart I'm just from those things, 
we have, of course, the the law code that he finished. Mm-hmm. You know, his yes. father started it, but he finished it. So he was married and had children because he, okay. he willed possessions that he irregularly gained from convicted right, people to right. his children. That stuff I stole. Um, but we don't really know. Like, we don't know the name of his wife. We don't know the mm. names of his kids. They don't come to anything. So they, they mm. don't take the throne. He, he Probably rules, for the best. Yes. He rules from 649 to 672. That's not bad. No, it's not too bad. And for 19 of those years, he was the sole ruler. Right. Because at the beginning, he was with his father. Right. Right. And if you know anything about Jinda Swint, you know that that meant that Russell Swint was not king in any meaningful way. Probably not. He just went out to fight, but he didn't make it. Exactly. He died a natural death, but he did do it in a villa, which is kind of a fun Yes, yes. If you, you know, if you got to check out, check out from the penthouse. Check out in style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you want to give him for El Resto? I love the coin. The painting is terrible. Oh, so bad. He had the votive crown. I mean, yeah. just I'm not that impressed with it, but the fact that he had one at all is impressive. I'm going to go with a three. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm going to give him a five. Oh, wow. I am quite impressed You're- with the crown. Okay. All and right. I think the law code is pretty huge. Oh, okay. No, no. See, I, we, I, I had forgotten the law code. I will, I will definitely go up to at least a four then okay. for the law code. You're right. The law code is a big deal. Right. So that's a nine for El Resto. Mm-hmm. And that means the total score is 26. Mm-hmm. Not great. Yeah. So we have one more question. Mm-hmm. Fuero yes, or we do. Fuera. Do we this let him ride is... the Fuero, the medieval charter with Yoel Rey, or do we tell him Fuera, get out? Right. This is um, this is tricky. I think uh, tough. Yeah. I, you know, this is one of those things where uh, my immediate instinct is actually to say Fuero. Okay. Um, and I, I, and I'm, and now I'm sort of chasing down why I think that, uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that he seems to have been pretty successful yeah. and he appears to have not particularly cared about whether or not he was popular. He got the law code approved. He responded to a demand from the bishops with a staggering level of up yours yeah, uh, and got away with it and got away with it and ruled for another 16 years. So got away with it. There was an eclipse at his coronation. So nice little bit of nice little bit of swerve there. I like that. He beat the Basques. Mm -hmm. No, I got to say, it's not that he is... I mean, the law code is a big thing. The law code is a very big thing. But he really does seem to have successfully navigated a number of challenges. And uh, and in addition, as I say, I think he's the only king who was so utterly confident in his authority that he felt it was okay to lessen the penalties for treason. That's swagger. That's yeah, real is. swagger. Um, I just wish there were more sources for this period because I, I, I agree. feel like... Yes, he has a great list of accomplishments. Yes, he does. But I don't really feel like I get a sense of him as a person in the way I did with Chindaswint or even Witterick. No, you're you're that is true. I I again the 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 mediocre painting is sort of indicative of there, there's a fuzziness to it. So but I'm hesitant to give him fuero. I, I look at the record and I have to imagine that he was enough his father's son to have that bit of cold steel in his character. It's borderline, but based on the importance of the law code, based on the fact that he ruled for as long as he did. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, dying of natural causes in a villa that you've stolen from the church. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a badass way to go that's out. Kind, that is. That's, that's kind um, of an up yours way to go out. He shouldn't be fuera. There's, there's nothing about him that I am inclined to dismiss. Okay. I, I will... I will go with that. I will also say we should award him the Fuero. Yes. yes. All right. So congratulations, Ressa Swift. Yes. We had to debate a bit, say. but you are signing Yo El Rey to that charter. That is very exciting. Yeah. Goodness, this is back to back. Back to back Fueros. We haven't had uh, that before. I, I imagine. Yeah. Um, 
I'm so sure let us... that somewhere in the great beyond, he is looking up at his father and saying, now are you proud of me? <laughs> well, let us know what you think. Do you think that Ressa Swint should have gotten the fuero? You can mm. let us know on our Facebook or Twitter pages, which is the Spanish Arpada at both places. And we also have mm-hmm. an email account, SpanishArpada at gmail.com. And we love to hear from people. Uh, all right. It is recommendation time. I'll go first this time. Okay. This is uh, okay. I'll, I'll just go into it. Okay. As someone who does a historical podcast and starts the podcast by doing a dive into the sources that I'm going to use, mm-hmm. this should not surprise anybody to know, but oh, really? the 1950 Uni- United States census was just released to the public. Yes, it was. On Friday. Uh, Friday was April the 1st, uh, so two days ago now as of current recording. Mm -hmm. This is super cool because Mm -hmm. if you're into genealogy at all, it's great Mm -hmm. because it can kind of fill in gaps in your family story or of the stories of anybody that you've been, you know, interested in. Mm-hmm. But it also is probably the first census uh, for people our age, Peter, mm-hmm. where we can see ancestors that we actually knew in real life on the census, right? Mm-hmm. They, they keep the census from being released. I think it's 82 years after it's done because mm-hmm. of privacy concerns, okay, right? right? So after right. 82 years, uh, they release it. And so that's why the 1950 census is the most recent one to be released. Mm-hmm. So on the 1950 census, I can see like my grandparents, right, adults right. starting their families, you know, mm-hmm. people that I have met and knew in person. Whereas right. previous censuses, it's like, okay, this is cool, but it's like my great, great, great grandfather, you know, right. in 1860, that doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting, but this is actually legitimately cool. That's so at this cool. point, the um, the archives.gov has set up a website. So you could just search mm-hmm. 1950 census and you could go to the website. It is searchable by name, but it's okay. completely AI, computer generated OCR. And mm-hmm. this is not necessarily helpful if, like me, you have an ancestor with the surname of Page. P-A-G-E. And of course, (laughs) every single one of those census documents has a page number on it. Right. Oh, terrible. terrible. It's terrible. However, it is helpful if you know exactly where your grandparents lived, for example, in 1950, you can just go right to that house. They they have released maps of the enumeration district. So you can look up Mm -hmm. where on the map, you know, your house fell back then and look it up and Mm -hmm. see, you know, if you know where your grandparents lived or like me, if you live Mm -hmm. in a house that is that old, you can just go right into your own house and see who is living there. And that's really amazing. You already know this, but uh, in 1950 in my house, little Ugh. Roger Ailes was 10 years old. I know. Old. Oh. Yep. So, yes, that's Which just... explains why I get the chills every time I walk over the threshold. Yes. So, yep, <laughs> I was able to look and see, yep, there's Roger Ailes in our house Ugh. in 1950 because we bought his childhood home. Ugh. Unknowingly. Pity there wasn't more asbestos in the walls. Um <laughs> So, so my recommendation is if you're a nerd like me, if you love Mm -hmm. looking at primary source documents, and if you're curious as to who was living in your house in 1950, or if you want Mm. to see your grandparents' names on the census, go ahead and go to that Mm. website at at archives.gov. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's super interesting to me. Sure. Um, That would be. That would be less efficacious for me because I am, of course, originally from Southern California. Uh, So the answer to the question, who was living in your house in 1950 is nobody. There was no house. It was a lemon grove. Yes. Yes. So, um, all right. So my recommendation is once again, going to be a cocktail. You you Uh, have so clearly been on spring break for the past. I have been on spring break and this is, this is, uh, has, has been a recent discovery of mine and I'm very, uh, pleased with it. And it is, it is one of the few cocktails. I will say my, my, my wife, uh, is not quite the drinker that I am, but she's not uh, nearly the lightweight that she was before we were married. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the only cocktails that I can make that includes brown liquor uh, that she likes. She is okay. a strictly clear liquor drinker otherwise. Okay. Um, but she says, make make me that lemonade one sometime. And so I do. It's not 
quite as lemonade as you might expect. This is a cocktail called the Witch Hunt. It is the primary boozy ingredient of it is scotch, which is sort of rare. Uh, do not use a good scotch. Uh, okay. Use a blended scotch because if you're you, if you're making a cocktail, anything that uh, that you blend is going to disappear anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, doers will do just fine. Thank you very much. An ounce and a half of doers, three quarter uh, ounces dry vermouth. Uh, really doesn't matter which kind you use. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, we're doing a cocktail. And then, and this is the one ingredient that people might not have ready uh, access to. There is a, a material, I almost want to call it, called liquore uh, strega. It is a liqueur. Okay. Uh, and and liquore strega, uh, for those of you who do not speak Italian, essentially means witch's brew. Okay. Um, it is a very sweet, uh, very uh, syrupy. I suppose I would say, if I had to describe it, I would say sort of licorice-y. Okay. Um, but but good licorice. Does it have anyway, anise in it? it? Right. It, yes. It's definitely okay. got anise in it, but okay. but it ain't just got anise in it. Okay. And you 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 drop a half ounce of liquor strega into it, and then you just mix it in the glass, put in the ice, and then float a little club soda over okay. the top. And it is it is just uh, a a delightful beverage. It does not taste scotchy or peaty at all, but the scotch gives it a nice uh shall we say weight. And the liquor strega uh combines very nicely with the uh sort of fruitiness of the uh vermouth to make something that as my wife uh accurately says kind of tastes like fizzy lemonade just it, it it'll also get you drunk um so uh, that is that is the witch hunt uh cocktail it is uh the recipe is easily uh, available online if you wish to look for it i tend to use difford's guide uh to find my cocktail recipes but that is my recommendation uh the witch hunt cocktail okay very cool and it's uh, what i'm gonna do with the rest of the afternoon sounds so. great considering that spring break will be over exactly. starting tomorrow yes yes, yes. unfortunately all right Very. well uh thanks for listening and we will catch you next time we are going to be reviewing once again the nobles have yanked some power back and they're <sighs> going to um they're going to elect a king called wamba and hopefully he is either not a child or and not a septuagenarian He's not um, either of those things. Okay, so this, well, this then we're be a ahead good of the game. Uh, ahead of the game. All right. All right, so we will see you for that. Bye. All right, thank you. Bye.